When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So in lieu of a podcast this week, uh, which is coming on live on YouTube to talk about how we did the game week 14, talk about our plans for the next couple of weeks in a WGT Q&A uh, to round off this weekend of football in this Sunday derby day. I'm obviously very happy, but one man who's feeling a bit less 4-2, Nate, get it, is Nick. How are you, mate? That's absolutely terrible, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, I'm, I'm not great, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's was, it was just one of those game weeks. I thought that I'd have a little bit of jam just at the end with some Dine uh, nine points uh, off my bench because Aguero didn't play. But of course, Liverpool went and scored in that final minute of the game, thanks to some Jordan Pickford's hilarity. So, yeah, uh, that was a bit of a blow to my game week. Just generally, just one of those game weeks. Looks like it's a red arrow as well for me. And just and obviously with the North London derby not going my way at all. Just uh, yeah, what a weekend to forget in terms of the football. I think so. Uh, let's get cracking. Uh, just to say quickly, of course, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl and use Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So um, go on then. What we're we talking about today. Yep, so we're on for about 30 minutes. I'll update you guys on the market force before taking questions from Twitter and the audience. And we'll be talking about kind of our teams, I guess, how we did this week just to begin with. And also our plans for the next week. Literally the dust has settled. We haven't had that much time to do that much research. So it's be more of a talking around the subjects and providing stats where we can. Yeah, sounds great. And thanks for the questions. Yeah, we're looking forward to our second live performance of the weekend after being on the uh, the Breakfast Club with Joe and Dave from Fancy Football Scout on Saturday morning as well. So if you haven't listened to that, it's worth a check out. So anyway, let's, let's get started with the game week reviews um, quickly. So do you want to start with your game week? Yeah, uh, it was actually all right. It was 57 points. Yesterday, it was I was looking at a very big green arrow to up to 30k. Now it's a tiny, tiny green arrow, 2k rise uh, to about 58k. Um, I did the Raheem Sterling move in and no, uh, I did all right. I mean, I got the goal. I wish he could have done a bit more, like that kind of amazing run where he hit the post as well. And if that had gone in, this tapping had gone in, then I'd have been laughing really. Got all four defenders at the back. Edison lost his clean sheet, of course. And Arnautovic as well got an assist. But Martial, Richarlison, Salah and uh, well, Aguero didn't show up. So I got success off the bench who spooned over a one-on-one for Watford. Uh, so yeah, 57 points and uh, a bit of a bit of a poor bench really is what's cost me to some extent with a success Kennedy slash Bro Potus and Bennett being my free benchers. So nothing really to call on in events like with uh, Canaguero not really featuring. What about you, Nick? You weren't very happy for a little while, but uh, did it get better? 
Um, I mean, not particularly. I got fifty. <laughs> I got fifty-five points. It is actually a red arrow, apparently, according to uh, Fancy oh. Football Fix. So, yeah, a little bit peeved. Obviously, I had that Dean clean sheet wrapped up. It's the second time in as many weeks that that's happened to me. Last-minute goals sort of took away my Wolves clean sheet the other game week against Arsenal, and now this game week with um, Dean losing it at the last minute. It was just one of those weeks where things didn't go my way. I was just waiting for um, that Leroy Sane assist to be awarded as well. But apparently um, FPL claims that it was a pass and not a shot, even though the conjecture of the ball was towards the keeper and Begovic, I think he was rewarded with a save for it as well. So I just don't quite get the logic of how they claim that he was passing and not taking a shot and therefore didn't get the assist. And I think he would have got bonus points as well. So that was another four points or so that were robbed from me. Um, <laughs> just a little bit annoyed, as you can tell. Um, pitchforks out, Nick. <laughs> yeah, a bit annoyed. Aguero didn't play, obviously, but I captained Hazard. He got me an assist at least. So that was a 12-pointer in total. The defence, generally was relatively solid Wambasaka six Alonso six Robertson six and, and Doherty scored but Patricio only got me one point so I'm potentially getting rid of him but yeah uh, all in all it's, it's not been a, a good few weeks for me I've kind of I think you're about 50 or 60 points ahead of me when I was ahead about five game weeks ago so it's just I just need some sort of like lady luck to to turn in my direction a little bit but nothing so far yeah, I mean, a lot of your 50-50 calls haven't really quite paid off, have they? And then the stuff like uh, Sam Vokes, obviously, last week, scoring adds insult to injury to some extent, doesn't it? But, I mean, this is a nice segue to basically what we're going to talk about, which is our transfer plans and captaincy. And this obviously does bring in a few questions, obviously, on Aubameyang and Kane. Uh, FPL Awesome, Vardy Boys, Clipper and Gill. I've just seen FPL Physios mention this in the chat. Kane versus Aubameyang uh, for Kun Aguero coming out. Uh, Martin S one asked what are the pros and cons for bringing in Kane and uh, Sean Murphy on the other side of things are should we just forget all about Kane and uh, and bring Alba in so I think this probably covers our transfers and captains to some extent too it's maybe worth talking about so Nick on this particular question what are you doing with Kun Aguero who are you turning into and why so at the moment with Aguero, I'm possibly going to hold him. And it's a bit controversial, but Ooh. my plan was to bring in Aubameyang the following game week. And I wanted Aguero for that final game against Watford. Now, it depends a lot in terms of what Pep says in the next couple of days, if we hear from him at all, if he tells us that Aguero is fit for Watford. I would be tempted just to hold him for that final game week before I do that swap for Aubameyang because Arsenal have Manchester United. Um you know, obviously Manchester United perhaps haven't been sort of the same Manchester United of old, but still it's a it's a tough fixture whilst Manchester City arguably have the easy fixture where they could potentially score another four goals and Aguero could easily be in the points again. And then after that, with game week 16, that's when I wanted to bring in an Arsenal player because their run is really nice. Um, they've got Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley, uh, Brighton. So that was my original plan was to hold Aguero for one more week and then swap him for a Bamiyang when sort of Arsenal have Huddersfield and... Um, Aguero has Chelsea, Manchester City have Chelsea. But with um, with the news with Aguero, with Aubameyang's performance, I'm starting to think, well, maybe I should make the move early, perhaps do the swap. I was looking at my midfields as well. I've still got Hazard. I'm thinking maybe I could do a swap Hazard to Sterling. I could afford that very easily because I've got a little bit in the bank as well. So that's a potential move I was thinking about. The other one I was thinking about with Hazard was a Spurs midfielder. Hmm. I wanted to cover... Spurs um, for the next um, run of games and I think um, we talked a little bit off air about Spurs and how we were going to cover them if we're not going for Kane and with that run of fixtures I think Ericsson or Ali could be a really good pick or even maybe Hung Min Son with 
Spurs' fixtures. They've got Southampton, Leicester, Burnley at home, Everton away, Bournemouth at home, Wolves at home, Cardiff away. So that's a really nice Christmas run. And uh, you can see lots of goals for Spurs, perhaps some clean sheets as well. So I think they're definitely a team that, even though they got trounced um, today, that we need to think about covering. But actually, the move that I'm probably definitely going to make first is I'm going to do a goalkeeper switch. Oh, boy. So I've been doubled up in Wolves oh, for a little while. <laughs> and it's, it's incredibly painful seeing those clean sheets disappear um, in the last minute against Arsenal, against Huddersfield, against Cardiff. You know, I've had Doherty and Patricio and it's just like, it's just horrible just seeing those one-pointers and those two-pointers week in, week out. And it's just, it's just destroying my rank as well, having these guys. So I was thinking in terms of goalkeepers, I know you guys might not be too interested, but I've done a bit of analysis anyway. And, and the man I'm, I'm looking at is, uh, is Fabianski. Um, I think West Ham's fixtures are really great. And I think we're going to talk about some of their attacking assets a little bit later, but they've got a run of Cardiff, Crystal Palace, Fulham, Watford, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton. That's a really, really nice run of fixtures for West Ham. Definitely a team that is worth them considering and covering at this moment in time. Um, so you've got likes of Anson and Altovich, who we're probably going to talk about. But I think Fabianski is the one I'm looking at in terms of goalkeeping. Um, in terms of the underlying stats, incidentally, last season, game week 1-14, to 14, he was top for saves with 60 and had the best save percentage in the Premier League with 81.1%. This season, he's second for saves overall, just behind Joe Hart. He's made 57 saves. Um, and um, Fabianski also has the third best save percentage currently with 75%. And this is goalkeepers that played every single game. Only Edison and Allison have more than him. And actually, um, incidentally, Loris, if you're going for a premium goalkeeping asset, has the best save percentage of all the, all the goalkeepers. And this was a stat I had earlier in, in, in the day. And I was like, this is a really nice stat to, to share on the pod. But after, after seeing Spurs concede four goals tonight in I don't know if many people are thinking about Luis now, but even though he's only played nine games, he's got the best. He had the best save percentage with eighty-four point two percent. And with Spurs fixtures, I think he would be um, perhaps a, a decent way of covering Spurs as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I can see why you're why you're moving the keeper on. I think it's one of those things that at the start of the season you have a bit of a template in place in terms of your defence and the guys you're not going to move around. And for a lot of people, it was two Wolves players. Now with Patricio not ticking over and Wolves really struggling to keep clean sheets at the moment, I, I completely understand that and it's probably worth not having that double up anymore. Doherty, for me, actually might be going down to first sub this week. So while you're busy doing that, I'm probably going to be taking a very, very large hit. I'm probably going to be taking a minus eight this week. One part of it is to future-proof to some extent. So my plan at the moment is to bring in Aubameyang. And the reason I'm doing that is... Well, at one, I love Aubameyang generally as a player. Um, he's uh, 10.9 million, so I get a little bit of money out of him um, from selling Sergio Aguero. Um, and I'm be backing Arsenal against uh, against Man United. And there's a couple of good reasons for this. Uh, Tom, FPL centre, uh, mentioned to me, and I did look this up too, uh, that shots conceded. Man United are actually fourth bottom for shots conceded over the last four game weeks, 64. Uh, to Fulham have conceded two more than they have. And Arsenal have actually had the most attempts in the last four game weeks. So potentially we are a bit of a side on the rise. We're second for shots in the box as well, 38. Just four behind Man City and just two ahead of Liverpool. Um, watching us today, um, even though Aubameyang often to the eye is a bit a bit languid, a bit poor, definitely seemed that something was working, especially in the second half with, when he was playing as part of the two of Lacazette. And for me, that game week 16 against Huddersfield is a big one. I think that'll be when I captain him. But the reason I'm doing 
all three moves that I'm thinking of doing at the moment is because I want to roll that game because in game 17 I'm removing Mo Salah and putting Harry Kane in so I want to have two free transfers then to do whatever I need to do so game 16 has to be a roll week so game 15 is the week that I that I do some changes so Bamiang in Felipe Anderson is probably going to come in for Martial I think had enough Martial basically that was a oh, that was a pretty poor decision he was he was overperforming and um I think I'm going to be removing Bro Potus Kendi for Brooks I know he didn't start against Man City for Bournemouth which suggests he's going to play against Huddersfield and it kind of just sorts up my bench a bit because at the moment as I mentioned the bench was success Kennedy and uh Bennett so if I bring Brooks in for Kennedy then I can bench Doherty and still have, still have Bennett and success but at least I've got Doherty and like another a good bencher going on but yeah I think I'm I'm team or Bamiang at the moment um and I'm going to be ignoring Kane until game week 17 so two weeks going Kaneless and it's gonna be very difficult especially against Southampton to go through that but I think that's basically where I'm going to be with all these things, it really depends on your team and where your team is and how your team's doing. A lot of the time, people advise you they're coming at it from their own team. But for me, my team needs a lot of work around the edges, like the bench needs to be looked at, the quality that I've got in my team needs needs to be looked at and sorted out. If I'm buying Kanyan, I'm uh, diluting the quality of my midfield even more because I've got to turn Martial into a 5.5 or something like that, as opposed to trying to sort things out. I need more money, not less. So working with Aubameyang and hoping that um, you know, Man United is probably going to hold no fear for most teams at the moment. I'm hoping that works is, is just going to be the, be the case. But I wouldn't forget about Kane. Game Week 17 is definitely in because he'll be the captains there. So Nick, Kane-wise then, I know you, you said you might, you might be holding Aguero another bit of Jamie Jackson news there. Um, with, with Kane, you're planning to bring him in, are you? And you'll be doing that in game week 17 as well if you stick to your plan is that true as well as the Bamiang. yeah you're just not going to bring Kane in at all I don't know how I'd be able to fund that that's the problem my second strikers my second strike is only 5.6 million I mean I could potentially sell Salah for that Manchester United game would be another hit it's just it's a lot of moving players around last time I brought Harry Kane in you know, I was expecting him to bang the goals in for fun. I think it was for Cardiff at home and, and he blanked. I remember the season before, there were some really nice home fixtures, which I brought him in for on a minus eight. I think I can't remember if it was something like Huddersfield at home or Burnley at home and Swansea at home or something like that. And he blanked in all of them. And he's just he's just been a serial blanker in most recent game weeks. I think a lot depends, I suppose. I do want a Spurs play. I do want some coverage in that Spurs team. That's why I'm thinking maybe the likes of Christian Eriksen could come in in the midfield and he's a lot more affordable and I can fit him in a lot more easily by getting rid of the likes of Hazard Paps or or Sane um, to, to fit him in without too much sort of damage to my um, to my team. So I think, uh, I don't know about Kane, I think I'm, I'm planning my Bamiyang and I'm planning some form of Spurs coverage in the midfield and that, that's my general plan for the next few game weeks at least. No, it definitely makes sense. I was a little bit annoyed actually because I put the Obama, I had Obama in like I think after you said it uh, on the last pod, I really started thinking about like my plan for the next three, which is the beauty of doing this sort of thing with one of your friends because you can get still their ideas. Um, but I was thinking about how I was going to do the next three and then working it with Aubameyang, a bit of an awkward fixture against Man United, but now I'm emboldened to do it, right? Whereas before it was kind of an awkward transfer. FPL feeling has just asked us, uh, what do we do with Mo Salah? Um, do we think that Salah, because he got taken off, um, might not? get the armband against Burnley for us might you know storage start or something like what are you thinking about that because like I guess captain from next week um is, is actually quite a tough one 
But I think Salah would be my captaincy pick still for next game week against Burnley. I think you have to view the early substitute perhaps even as a positive rather than a negative. He didn't play the whole 90 minutes, which means he's going to be a little bit fresher, only a little bit fresher than some of the other options. And I still think he's going to be um, one of the key leading men for the Liverpool front line next game week. It's certainly not a case that he'll be dropped or um, sort of fall out of favour with Klopp. He only substituted him because I think... Um, Klopp perhaps wanted sort of some some more attacking impetus and some fresh legs on the team and and saw sort of Salah as the, the substitute that particular week. But yeah, I think he'll definitely still play. I would be surprised if he misses out or starts on the bench. It'll be a bit of a shock. And even if he does start on the bench, he's always kind of that character that could come off the bench, play 20 minutes and net a couple of goals like we've seen from Aubameyang. And Burnley have been nutter dross this season. They've been the worst in terms of goal attempts. Yeah. They're worse, even worse than Fulham in terms of the actual goal attempts that they've um, they've had against them this season. So I think for me, um, when looking at some of the other picks, you've got you sort of Manchester City playing Watford, you could feasibly if you own Sterling, pick him as captain again, or even maybe Aguero. I see a few differential picks. I know you mentioned actually, Tom, that you were thinking about um, captaining on Asovic against Cardiff at home. And someone, um, Goops in our sort of Slack group mentioned that he was thinking about Wilson um, against Huddersfield. So there's some interesting picks out there for next game week, some differential captain picks, but I think I'm, I'm going to stick and, and go with Salah because I think Bernie, uh, it could be a massive, it could be a massive win for, for Liverpool. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that, I mean, there is the the worry with Liverpool and Mo Salah particularly, because he's the one that we a lot of people own, maybe Sadio Mane too, is uh, the Bournemouth game, I think, on Saturday. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Um, so they're away at Bournemouth. And then I think it's on Tuesday. They've got a, a very, very big game in the Champions League. So I think that that would be the game that I would underline as being the one that we're going to probably see quite a lot of rotation. Um, I know Bournemouth is going to represent the challenge, but I, I think that that's probably going to be the time when players aren't going to be playing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether... It's a tough one, isn't it, with this sort of thing? Because you're trying to kind of second-guess the manager and we don't really know the condition of all of the players, right? But I think with Mo being taken off a bit early, you've got to hope that means he's going to play versus Burnley. And if uh, I think the Bournemouth game is going to be the one that... We, they're going to kind of put out a team to win it, but they're probably not going to put out their strongest team. I think that kind of makes the most sense, doesn't it? Because they're still alive in Champions League to some extent. Yeah, I think we might see some rotation with Liverpool, but I, I'd still be surprised if Salah misses out at all. So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect him to start and I probably will be captaining him. That's yeah. a, That's my call anyway on him. Yeah, FPL Dare asked about captains a second ago, so I mentioned that I'm probably going to be doing Salah as well. Um, but I do really like Arnautovic um, as a captain against uh, against Cardiff. I really do like that. Um, I think it might be a nice week for that sort of thing, especially if people are, a lot of people are going to be on Kane, a lot of people are going to be on Mo. And I think that on his day, Arnautovic can get you what, 10, 12 points. He got, did that against Burnley. Okay, Cardiff aren't, haven't been as terrible as Burnley. It's one of those feelings that I'm sure will just lead nowhere, but... Um, but before we move into talking about the midfielders a little bit, should we just see how the market is reacting to what's going on? Like, What are the market forces like this week, Nick? Yeah, so it's actually very interesting market forces. Of course, it's um, the game has only just finished, so it's very early days. But it's a it's a week of straight swaps. The entire market force is all about those straight swaps. So um, leading the way in terms of transfers in is Aubameyang with hundred thousand over hundred thousand transfers in already, um, and Kane has over fifty five thousand transfers in as well in terms of the forwards. 
And Agrero has been sold by over 174,000 managers at this moment in time. So that's suggesting that everyone is selling Agrero for either Aubameyang or Kane. And two thirds of the populace are going for the Aubameyang choice, one third for the Kane. So looking at Arsenal's fixture, they've got Manchester United, Spurs of Southampton at home. Arguably, Spurs have the, uh, the better fixture, but people aren't looking at that. People are thinking about Aubameyang's current form versus Spurs' current form. And, and choosing Aubameyang as the, as the better pick, perhaps reacting to this game week. Obviously, if Kane had got the brace, Aubameyang had perhaps only got the one goal. It might be the other way around. We don't know. But Aubameyang is also the cheaper option. Maybe that's weighing up in people's minds in terms of not being able to afford a straight swap for Aguero to Kane, but being able to afford a straight swap for um, Aguero to Aubameyang. Otherwise, it's all about straight swaps, as I said. We've also got the Hazard to Sterling swap. It was a big mover before the game week began. It's still a big mover as the game week has finished. Over 65,000 managers have sold Hazard. Over 75,000 managers have brought in Sterling. So that's definitely a straight swap that's happening. Sterling, of course, he's a player I don't own. I've only got Sané and Kuhn. I really do want to own him. I've got to think about how I bring this guy in as well because he has been brilliant this season. He's now the top performing player in FPL. And he he's really critical um, for those players that have sort of climbed up the ranks. In the last, whilst I've been free-falling, the managers that have owned and captain Sterling have been absolutely smashing it. And I've missed out on a lot of points by not owning this guy. And I, I will continue to probably miss out on points by not owning him. So I do need to think about, can I bring him in? Can I just do a hazard to Sterling swap? Should I stop being... Uh, you know, a, a doubter and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to keep Hazard or keep Salah and, and just say enough is enough. I need to cover Sterling and bring him in. And then even owning Sane and Aguero is not enough for Manchester City. It's all about Sterling. I don't know. It's a tough one. As I always say, we don't even know if Sterling perhaps is going to get his rests. He might even get his, his rest as he got Watford and then got a really tough game against Chelsea. So it'll be a good time for Sterling to, to have a rest. So mm, I don't know, but the market definitely still leaning towards bringing in Sterling. His ownership's now up to 17.9%. So still, he's a little bit of a differential. But um, the market, especially the top 100k, are really taking note of this guy. And finally, the other straight swap is the, the other one you touted on. Martial, 52,000 managers have transferred him out. Felipe Anderson, 68,000 managers have transferred him in. So a lot of people are now taking the notes of Felipe Anderson. Four goals in four. Um, and uh, yeah, with West Ham's fixtures... They're definitely a team to start thinking about how you're going to cover them. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm really, really surprised um, by the fact that double the Kane buy-ins or Aubameyang buy-ins. And I think that that is because you can do that for Aguero and one free transfer. You don't have to find any money there. A lot of this, it does seem there's a lot of things shifting there, doesn't it? With with Hazard and Conegrero, who have been the stalwarts of our uh, of our little template for a little while, uh, moving off. And I think maybe let's just talk about these uh, these cheap midfielders a little bit. So Gabriel at FPL Lens asked us if any seven million midfielders have caught our eye. And uh, I've mentioned Felipe Anderson a couple of times. And I think that he's nine. I think he's nine percent owned now, maybe up to ten. I think he's the next one who's going to be on the cusp of really coming through, especially with Arnie looking a bit. Uh, well, I mean, he came off after seventy minutes, Arnie. So you've got to be expecting he's going to play versus Cardiff. But the next kind of up until game week twenty one, it's a fantastic run of fixtures: Cardiff, Crystal Palace, and Fulham in the next three. Like I'm doubling up on West Ham there, um, and with Felipe Anderson himself, what's really interesting is that his profile as a player and what he is doing has changed a bit so in the first um, eight or nine game weeks of the season he was playing a primarily creative role and not really showing up in the attacking stats I think at one point he created 23 chances in six game weeks he's now 
completely reverted the other way. Um, so in the last four, he's taken 10 attempts at goal, eight of which were in the box. Um, in terms of in the box, he's joint second with Raheem Sterling, Mo Salah, and he's just behind a Cardiff juggernaut Callum Patterson. Um, for shots in the box mark midfielders, which is you know, very, very encouraging stuff. And it seems like he's definitely taken on the, the an offensive mantle with West Ham. And a couple of people, a couple of West Ham fans that I've spoken to have mentioned the fact that he's really kind of getting into the groove now, it seems, with West Ham. And I think that form plus fixtures make that a very, very deadly mix for me. Um, Martial, unfortunately, I gave him a couple of games. I'm sure he's going to troll me at some point, but I find it very difficult to ignore Felipe at 7.0. I really do. And I think that he's only going to go up and up and up after. Uh, I'm sure he's going to return against Cardiff and and off we go there, really. I mean, are you looking at Felipe, Nick? Are you looking at, um, looking at any other players in this particular area? I definitely think that Felipe Anderson is worth considering. He is a pretty uh, prolific in the most recent game weeks. And as you said, West Ham's fixtures are brilliant. I don't actually have an Altovich either. So if I was going to cover West Ham offensively in some way, I would be perhaps looking at Anderson in terms of coverage. I don't know how I'm going to fit him into my team at this current moment in time. I've still got Fraser as my fourth midfielder um, and he's got Huddersfield up home at next. So I've sort of held him in the last few game weeks and they've had some tough fixtures, but Huddersfield at home, I'm going to be keeping Fraser. I'm going to be keeping Sane. Um, if I get rid of Hazard, it'll be for someone like Sterling. And um, I'm keeping Salah. So it's, it's tough to, to sort of find a slot for either Arnie or, or Anderson in my team. I mean, the other one, in terms of the question, the other midfielder that's still worth a shout out, and I think a lot of people own him anyway, is, is Richarlison. So he's the same price, but I think just playing out of position is always an exciting sort of prospect for a midfielder at his price. And he, he will be reclassified next year, most likely as a striker. Um, Everton have midling fixtures. They've got Newcastle at home, Watford at home, then Manchester City away and, and Spurs at home. But mm. I still think he, he's a great prospect. And uh, yeah, you've been unlucky not to get returns from him in the last couple of game weeks. And uh, his temperament is a little bit of a worry as well. When I owned him for that one game week, he headbutted someone and got sent off. He was <laughs> yeah. involved He was involved in a little bit of argy-bargy, actually, um, in the Liverpool game. I can't remember who it was, but he gave someone quite a... A bit of almost like a headbutt to the to the shoulder. Probably not going to get any retrospective action for it, but it's worth noting anyway. And uh, yeah, I think Richardson still still a good pick. You, you planning on holding him then for the foreseeable future? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, so. He's got Newcastle up next, who have got the joint uh, most big chances conceded in the last four game weeks. Uh, Cardiff uh, with thirteen a third. Um, so I mean, a few people have been lauding their defence recently, but I mean the stats are still there. But they've uh, they, they aren't you know as solid as say Huddersfield are, who are looking a lot better. Uh, they've only seen six big chances recently, which is the same as uh, same as Man City actually. But yeah, Richarlison's going to stay at least for those next two home games, and feasibly just stay for an awfully long time. In fact, because I mean Everton, they do they do kind of run into Man City and Tottenham seventeen and eighteen, but then after that game week nineteen to twenty six, they've got a great run of fixtures where they don't play any teams in the top six. That also takes in visits to Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley, and home games against Bournemouth, Leicester, and Wolves. So, I mean. Again, he's going to play every minute. He did play every minute for Marco Silva at Watford. And I think he played every game last year, didn't he? So probably not going to need a rest. Um, and it's just going to be quite a, a player that you can happily set and forget there. I've made a lot of money on him as well. So there's no chance I'm going to be selling. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's probably a case of looking at the brilliant Brazilians at the moment, almost in that kind of mid-price bracket, right? 
Yeah, definitely. I think they're the two standout picks. I mean, you've got the cheaper assets. I think Brooks is a very interesting prospect that you mentioned. You're perhaps bringing in. He's he's definitely a cheap enabler if you want to wanting to perhaps free up an extra two million. And then you've also got Ryan Fraser, who's been sort of leading the way in terms of chances created and big chances created in terms of midfielders, and has definitely been performing brilliantly this season. But I think yeah, Anderson and Richardson at seven million are, are the two standout picks. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, just a word for, on David Brooks as well. He is um, an excellent, what I like to call a Swiss army knife of a player. He's a, the best utility player, I think, at the moment. Tom Kearney may come in and be that guy, actually, going forward. Uh, but David Brooks, he does a few things. One is he rotates very, very well with Doherty. So whenever Doherty has a bad game, stick him on the bench and shove Brooks in. Two is 5.1. So you're more than happy to play him or bench him. And three, he still plays for a fairly attacking Bournemouth team, despite the fact that they've uh, recently run out of steam to some extent and lost their purple patch. So he's looking like the guy I want to bring in. Just uh, I might take a minus eight to get this guy in just because he's going to be so useful, I think, over Christmas. And you know, undoubtedly, I think we should probably just mention this quickly, there will probably be some rotation over Christmas. And last year we saw it happen. And this year I'm sure it's going to happen again. Where if you ever post any move, people can be like, oh, what about rotation? But rotation is always going to happen. It's part and parcel of this time of year. Any discussion of it is basically moot. And you shouldn't just like let that change your perception or your opinion. If there's a player who's like never going to really play, then fair enough. But for most players, it's going it's to happen. You can't really predict it and there's no right and wrong about it. It's just the case you just don't think about it that much. Like you don't really think about it too much these days, do you, when you're making moves? No, I try not to. But then with Manchester City, I do always worry a little bit. Like yeah, I have been a bit concerned. I have been a bit concerned with Sterling. And perhaps, you know, I've, I've let that impact my moves. I've always thought the likes of Hazard at Chelsea, Kane at Spurs, you know, some of these players are kind of immune to rotation, but especially around Christmas, there's always that risk that even the likes of Kane is going to miss out a game. And I can't remember the quote from Pock, but I think he said something along the lines of there's this many games, 10 games in 30 days, everyone's going to be rotated or something like that. I can't remember what yeah, it was. Only exactly. Lloris is going to play every game or something like that, he said. Yeah. So I think with everyone, you have to have to worry about it a little bit. Final question is a take a chancer. FPL chancer Dan asks if we should, in inverted commas, underlined and bolded, have a plan over Christmas or whether it's easier just or better to just be reactive to events as they unfold. Uh, quite an interesting meta question there for you, Nick. Are you more of a planner? Are you more of a reactor? I would consider myself a planner generally. I always look around two to three game weeks ahead. Like every time, every time we do the pod as well, I always sort of like look at the fixtures for every single team and I pick out the teams that have the really good fixtures. I think even though like a run of five to six games, I think West Ham are a really good example. And then I'll plan my transfers around bringing players in from those teams. So we'll look at the informed players, the likes of Felipe Anson. And those are the players that we'll be bringing in. We're not planning on just bringing them in for that one fixture against Cardiff at home. If we think, oh, they've actually got Manchester City and Spurs up next, it makes it a bad transfer. So I always try and concentrate. And if I'm going to bring in a player, if it's someone like Kane, you know, I might not, I wouldn't just do it for one game week and then think, right, I'm going to react the immediate week and, and take him out. I try and avoid that as far as possible by looking at a run of fixtures and thinking if I'm bringing in this player, he's going to be in there for a little while. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I try to give players four weeks, but sometimes it does change. So if Martial, for example, getting rid of him uh, just because another player has emerged is what's going to happen. Uh, the final bit word for me on planning really is... Um, it's very good to plan your captains for this time of year. Um, I put I put my kind of own little list of captains up on Twitter yesterday, um, but it, it really helps you in order to kind of just navigate 
what moves you're going to be wanting to make and when. So it's worth just getting a season ticker up, hours, um, FPLs, whatever, and just looking for him thinking, right, on this game week, who's the, who's probably going to be the top man? What team has the best fixture? Who's going to be the top man there? And just trying to make sure that you have these players or you have an alternative to cover those players. So you know, this week, everyone's going to have Kane maybe against Southampton. I'll probably have Mo versus Burnley or Arnie versus uh, versus Cardiff. I don't know. And then it kind of moves through Alba, Kane, Alba, Kane, Alba, Kane. Check that out. That's a great rotation until the end of, until near enough the end of the season, actually. Uh, so it's worth, it's worth just having a look at these sorts of things um, and planning those sorts of things in advance. So we're going to wrap up. Just got a couple of things to mention um, on our pod. Uh, the first thing is, uh, is the FPL London meetup coming up in two weeks' time uh, for, on the 14th of December. Very, very close. So we in uh, MathSafe FPL cordially invite you to this year's Christmas drinks, 7pm, 14th of December at the Marlebone Sports Bar and Grill. If you haven't let me know already and you can come, please do. I think we've got about 30 or so people coming now, apparently, which will be very, very good. And Lee and Sam are both going to be there too. Um, so we've got some star appeal, as it were. Um, there's a theme every week. There isn't one in this stream. Uh, but last week it was Batman and General Zod got there first. If you want to join our league, our league code is 516-441. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And we'll be back for a full proper pod in game week 17. And we'll speak to you in two game weeks time. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.